And what happens is that if you're not aware of your nervous system, if you're not aware of how you communicate, you might start to get into fight or flight mode. What does that mean is that your communication might come off as stressful, might come out as emotional, might come off as angry or, you know, or the other side, you go completely into not saying anything because there is too much and you feel like you will burst if you actually express what you're saying. So the goal of this self-exploration is to find the balance of how do I regulate my nervous system so I don't stay in this fight or flight mode as a leader. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the new episode of Veo Executive Academy podcast where we give you exclusive insights from some of the brightest leaders today who all have one thing in common. They are or were students of our MBA programs. I'm Chadomir Pushica, your host, and it is my task to ask the right questions so that you can learn more about the person, their industry, their mindset, and how they manage to bring positive change to businesses and their communities. Daria is the co-founder of the Thought Leadership Academy, host of the podcast, The Thought Leadership Podcast, two times TEDx speaker, best-selling author, and passionate entrepreneur with more than 11 years of running an educational company. With her partner, Sebastien Roger de Nunez, they support visionary leaders and established experts to embody their next level of thought leadership. The focus lays on three pillars to guide their community to step into embodied experts, transformational public speaking skills, premium offers, and emotional intelligence. As part of the vocation, Daria is also the founder of the She Leads Mastermind that has as a mission to support 10,000 female leaders in 2022, empowering them with emotional intelligence tools to step into a new paradigm of leadership. She was invited to speak about her groundbreaking work in events such as Remax Europe International Convention, Algrave Tech Summit, Women in Digital, Women in Tech, TEDx, and European Innovation Academy. A lot of her work is about emotional intelligence, self-leadership, and thought leadership development. So hi, Daria, and it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Sedemir. I'm really happy to be here today. I'm so happy about this opportunity to explore some of the topics that are very close to my heart, such as communication skills, public speaking, education, coaching. So let's start with communication skills. And just a quick note to our audience. This episode will be roughly split in two parts, self-leadership in communication and transformational public speaking. So I would like to open this episode with something that Warren Buffett famously said. If you want to get ahead, focus on your communication skills. He also said that a relatively modest improvement can make a major difference in your future earning power, as well as in any other aspect of your life. So have you always had good communication skills? If we talk about communication in general, it's a very big question. So I would say if we split it into two, we can talk about self-leadership in communication and then the actual communication skills when we are out there speaking, presenting, doing public speaking. When it comes to self-leadership in communication, what I mean by that is that when, when you speak with your team, the decisions you will make, the ways that you will communicate is highly intertwined with your self-leadership, with your beliefs about yourself, with your self-worth. I'll talk about an example when it comes to how do we communicate at work. If you are 
having a team and you maybe have a boss and let's say you're a mid-level manager and you have to take care of your team. So you are seeing someone is suffering in the team. How do you empower them to work on the communication? Or let's say that your boss is giving you more work than, than you were expected. How do you communicate your boundaries? So it's a lot about self-leadership. That This is where emotional intelligence comes in because we cannot distinguish the two. Yes, it's important to be a great public speaker. It's important to develop our skills. Communication and voice is one of our leadership skills. But before we can talk about that, it's also understanding that our self-leadership is how do we actually communicate? I meet a lot of women and men who are you know, entering the, their careers and they don't manage to link their communication to their actual emotions. If they're feeling overwhelmed, if they're feeling stressed, if they're, if they're feeling that they, they want to talk with their boss about someone. If they're coming home and they want to express something to their partner, but they're seeing that their partner is already busy, all those questions of actual, we call them soft skills. And how do you make sense of your emotions so you can communicate to the world what's really going on? And that is really important because when we start to talk about you know Warren Buffett and leadership and communication, it's not that simple as going to Toastmasters or going to a public speaking course, because yes, you might learn the skills, but if you cannot make sense of what is really going on in your emotional intelligence, when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling burned out, when you're feeling a bit meh, like the, the concept of meh that Adam Grant talks about right now, which is kind of in between not sad, but not happy. We are feeling all those emotions that are coming up the last two, three years, there's a lot going on. And I think that if we can talk about that and we can learn about being more in line with our inner communication and we can learn to express that better through powerful con communication that does not disconnect, not by bursting out when we are too tired or stressed, but actually learning how, to, how do I communicate my boundaries? How do I communicate my vision? How do I communicate my goals with my team, with my employees, with my partner, with my boss, with my co-founders, etc. So to answer your question, have I always been good at communication? No, I think that is something that we don't learn. We don't learn those skills in school. I went to traditional school. I went to university. And the skills I learned about communication when it comes to actual emotional intelligence came from a place of starting to understand that, oh, that is too much work. How do I communicate boundaries? Or how do I speak with my team to empower them? It came through work. But to be honest, I think this is a skill that I wished we had so much earlier. Because if I learned this when I started my career, I would have been a better leader. If I learned to really express my emotional you know, journey with, within myself, I could express myself better. And secondly, when it comes to public speaking, I've been a professional speaker since 2016, thanks to the journey of my co-founder, my life partner, Sebastian, being an actual speaker and learning so much from him and learning so much from the industry and getting trained in that. So I think it's both skills of emotional, you know, self-leadership and communication and the public speaking can be trained, but it's a conscious choice of wanting to become a better communicator. Thank you for that. And what about this self-leadership in communication? Does that involve a lot of introspection? 
For sure. <laughs> so when I talk about this topic, I was recently a mentor. I'm still, as we're recording this, I'm mentoring, I think it's five to 700 women for the Women in Tech Organization. And we had one of our sessions was about the actual communication when it comes to self, what's going on inside. How do I communicate that? And here's the thing. There's a lot going on in our world right now as we are recording, and it has been happening for two, three years. And it's almost non-normal for the ones who have been growing up in our society. We are not used to having so much changing and pivoting and having to readapt in our companies, in our business, going on Zoom, not being able to travel, and also a lot of chaotic or even turbulent times. And because of that, as a leader, and I know that many ones who are listening, as a leader, you not only have to take on more change in your work, but you also come home and maybe your partner or your children or your friends are not feeling completely themselves, or there's something going on in your family. There is a lot to handle. So of course, that will impact your communication. And what happens is that if you're not aware of your nervous system, if you're not aware of how you communicate, you might start to get into fight or flight mode. What does that mean is that your communication might come off as stressful, might come out as emotional, might come off as angry or, you know, or the other side, you go completely into not saying anything because there is too much and you feel like you will burst if you actually express what you're saying. So the goal of this self exploration is to find the balance of how do I regulate my nervous system so I don't stay in this fight or flight mode as a leader. And I actually learn to communicate from a place of presence, from a place of balance, when I am actually more in the space of I am grounded, I'm present, and I'm not in this tunnel vision. That happens to everybody. If you're too stressed or you just think by yourself, if you are stressed and you haven't slept and you have two times the work of that you're doing, how would you communicate? Well, probably in a very stressed way. I would be very easily irritated. That's for sure. And yeah, maybe even avoid any confrontation. Yeah. I think that's that's what normally happens, yeah. And it's yeah. it's a feeling that's not very, let's say, strange to me. It happens. You work too much sometimes, and yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the whole goal with this is that as a leader, we have a responsibility to get ourselves into a state where people can find us as this sounding board where they are not afraid to come and speak with us. When there's something is going on in, in, if you're leading a team, if you're leading company, you're taking care of your clients, you're having communities, maybe you're part of the alumni network. There's so many things that you're doing. And of course, your, your husband, your wife, your kids, you know, there's a lot of people going on. So if you learn to say, first of all, I'm a human, it's okay. It happens to all of us, of course. But the goal is to come back to this peace, that this inner peace from which place it feels safe to come to me to speak. And that for me is leadership, because if we learn to become more balanced in our communication and changing the paradigm of, you know, the leader that is the boss that is screaming and you cannot talk with them because it's scary to go and speak with your boss and tell them that, you know, I need the weekend off or I please don't send me emails in the evening or whatever that is. 
if we are afraid of our boss, our communication is highly suffering in the companies and therefore we are missing information and we are actually not productive, we are not actually improving our company. So it has a lot to do with making better leaders that feel more balanced, that have a nervous system that is balanced. And from that place, we can talk with them. It feels safe. It has to feel safe to be around that leader. And I think our responsibility for the ones listening is to see is can I, am I that for my team? Am I someone people can come to? And even if they are having a hard time, I don't make it about me. You know, it's about them and I can be there and I can be supportive. I can be a great, you know, sounding board. I allow people to have expressions. I allow people to have opinions. I allow people to express what's going on without it becoming my thing or my ego being suffering. Like that is leadership for me. An immediate question that pops to mind is how do you as a leader handle all the different problems that other people bring to you or questions or concerns? Yeah, great question. So one of the things that we have to unlearn is not trying to fix it. There is this belief that as a leader, that if someone comes to speak with me about something that is going on, it's not always to say that we need to do something about it. It's sometimes it has to do with listening, listening skills, active listening, being that person. Actually, I hear you and I'm here for you and I understand that can be enough. So one thing that we practice within our company, but also with our clients and with our community is if someone is having you know, a hard time and they're tired or they're having a lot going on, and they come and say, hey, Daria, this is what's going on. My question to them, first and foremost, will be, do you want me to give you advice or do you want me to hold space for you? And that would be the first question, because sometimes they want advice. Sometimes they want me to go in and be more an advisor or a mentor or, you know, guiding them in a direction. But sometimes it's really about me being holding the space for them to go through what they're going through. And allowing to be that safe space to say, okay, I'm here. I'm going to get a coffee, get yourself a coffee or tea, wherever you want. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Tell me what's going on. And you know how it feels sometimes when you have something on your chest and it's not really about anybody else, but it just feels good to be heard. That is so important in teams. And this is something what we are missing in the remote leadership, that there is not the space, the natural space for our team for our co-founders for our clients to come and just talk about what's going on without it becoming a really big thing so it's listening learning to having these two different ways of communication the other thing is about me being working on myself daily how can i stay grounded and this is a lot about calming the nervous system learning about myself what do i need how do i manage my energy some people they wake up super early and they they can get a lot of things done if i know that i have a big week i will plan in the next week to be softer if i have a big week of public speaking i will plan in the upcoming days to have you know really light schedule so i'm trying to also understand my energy like how do i function in the best way? And what can I do to improve that? Is it physical sport? Is it about having more time alone? Is it to say no? Is it that actually I need to have some variety? Sometimes it's a lot about also like going for a trip or is it maybe to learn something new? Like what do I need to be in my best self? And the more I work on myself and also adding to that 
learning to not make it about me when someone wants to talk about it, something with me, I become better on this. And it's a lifelong journey. And that's, you know, there's nothing like, okay, now you have reached the level where you don't have to, you know, it's more about committing to this. And this is one of my biggest commitments. How long have you been doing this so that this becomes a part of your natural flow that it doesn't come as something you do, but it's natural for you? Oh, that's a good question. I always been doing this because I started working when I was 17, turning 18. I was mentored and I started working for a company and leading very early in my, my years. And I have always been entrepreneurial meaning that I've gone on my own way and chosen my own path in how I live. And my husband and I, we've been together for 12 years and having the company together for almost that time. He is great at this. He's really good at designing a life that feels good, where we are completely devoted to our mission. We love what we do. We are committed to this work of leadership development and changing the way we're seeing leadership and communication. And we are so committed to this work, but it's never on the sacrifice of our well-being. And he's the constant reminder of, you know, when I'm a bit too serious, plugging me out of the Zoom account and like, let's go for a walk or let's, you know, go to the beach and live close to nature. We have sheep outside. We have, you know, and he's allowing me to stay plugged into what really matters. And I would say that it has been always consistent with us throughout the years. And and I learned a lot from him about this. But also the last two or three years, as we, you know, really our world shifted for many, I mean, all of us, so much has changed, right? I had to commit even more to this. So this has become a daily commitment of, you know, working on myself and doing the work of emotional intelligence and working on my nervous system, working on my presence and feeling, how does my body feel? Am I tired? Am I energetically, am I present? Like, I think that the actual keyword is presence because if I'm on calls and I'm starting to zoom out, then I know that I'm saturated. I need to do something else. So if I feel like, okay, right now I'm here with you, we are present, we're having this conversation. I think presence is really everything. Then I can keep going. I can keep being with other people. But if I feel like, oh no, now I'm really saturated. I'm not present. I cannot think the best way. I'm not functioning the best way. I need to step out and I need to do something. And then I have a toolbox. And with the years, the toolbox has become bigger and bigger, of course that I can kind of tune in and feel what do I need right now? And I can be as simple as having a nap. Honestly, sometimes it's not that complicated or just going to do yoga or going for a walk, or it's maybe having a talk with a friend. You know, it can be really good sometimes just going for lunch with a friend. That's simple. And I'm already imagining stepping out of a meeting, which is taking place on Zoom or Teams or whatever, and just going for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> How would, exactly. how would people react? Do you actually have experience with this? And what do you give as an advice to people who are in meetings, in constant company meetings? Because this is what's happening today a lot. Yeah. Honestly, that's exactly it. Every meeting I have before and after, before going on this call with you, I did a breath work. I just sit down, I did the breath work. I closed all my, my things and I just got present with myself. I just got into silence so I could be present for us, for this conversation. And when I get off the call, I have in my schedule planned to 
not have, I have, think I have one hour in between to get a coffee, get out in the grass, listen to the birds, just doing something else, get off the screen and then come back. So I would say as a leader, there is space for that. If you don't have time between meetings, then first of all, why do you have so many meetings? Is this really important? Because a lot of things can be done by message. I think that we have sometimes a bit too many. I think there's, what's his name? Cameron Hold, I think his name is, talks about the book Meetings Suck, <laughs> basically. And he says that we don't need to have me. And he's, you know, he works with the really large companies. He, he wrote Vivid Vision. He is very much in a thought leader in the space of leadership. And he talks about how, how much we don't actually need those meetings. And I am a believer of that. So if your schedule is back-to-back calls, first of all, can you make them shorter? My calls are 30 minutes. If I don't know the person, usually I have a 30 minutes calendar link for calls. And then also check in, do you really need to have a meeting for this? Can it be done by message? And if it has to be a meeting, can you do points of what should we cover? Make it more clear of presence. Again, come into the call knowing what you're in for, how much time you need, and not make it one hour long and like, yeah, let's talk about this and let's talk about it another time. So I think it's also changing this idea that we have to have so many Zoom meetings. I don't want to lose you after half an hour. So (laughs) I think I will move on to my next question. And it is about coaching. You mentioned being mentored at the age of 17, 18. And now you coach people. What have you noticed are the most frequent mistakes they are making in communication? And when we say communication, what do we really mean? I see myself more as a mentor than a coach. And I'll explain to you why. I was mentored when I was 17. I met my mentor and it changed my life. And I'm a huge believer of mentorship in general. This is why I'm always involved in organizations. I mentor when I can. And my work as in our academy that we have now for almost, well, 11 years is really about what am I embodying? And why is this important is that I cannot coach or consult or train in something that I don't do. And I don't see myself as a trainer. Yes, we can have certificates, we can learn all these things, but it's about what have I actually done? What have I learned? What have I embodied that I am really living, breathing? And now I can go out and I can help others to do that the same. So this is my approach to coaching in my approach to the, the way we are mentoring, coaching, training in, in within our academy. Now, when it comes to the people who come to our world, we work with leaders. So we really work in co-elevation. A thing that I would say about our position when it comes to how we work with people is that I don't see myself as this trainer, coach, and on a high hierarchy of, now I'm going to show you how the world looks, is that you come in and we work together. It's really about stepping away from this idea that there is a, a pillar that I'm staying on and you are under. We are together. So that approach of coming into our space, the communication starts with seeing yourself as an active co-creator of what you want to create. So as a leader, I truly believe that if you come into leadership trainings and leadership coaching, when it comes to communication, self-leadership, all these things that we do, it starts with you actually showing up as a leader from day one. So that means that your communication with me, even before starting to work with me, 
it already represents how you see yourself. Are you showing up for your meetings in time? Are you respectful with the way you communicate with me? Are you taking responsibility for your learnings? Or are you coming to the coaching saying, oh, actually, I, I missed that. I didn't have time. And, you know, looking at excuses why you're not stepping into your leadership. So to come to the communication, even before going into the journey of learning to communicate better with our teams, but also on stage, is how do you communicate with your coach? How do you communicate with your mentor? How do you communicate all those people who are around you? If I look at you for one day, how does your communication look like? Because it is a representation. You cannot go and say, I'm going to go on stage, be great as speaker, and I'm going to be the best leader, and then go home and scream at your kids. I think it's not really coherent and it's not in integrity. It's about how can I be the best communicator in every part of my life? That is my goal. More than anything is that how can I be coherent? And it happens. We get angry. You know, it's not about having the pressure of being the perfect person, but being in the integrity of saying, I'm coming into this space to become the best communicator for everybody, including myself, including my partner, including my team, including my community and the people who I have as an audience. That coherence, this consistency is really the big thing. And why I'm mentioning is because when someone comes into our space, they might come and say, hey, I want to do a TEDx. We have done six, right? Or I want to do this stage or I want to do this. It's almost like going to the doctor and say like, I have pain in my eye, but it's all connected, right? We talk about it's all interconnected. So I want us to start seeing the coherence and the connectivity in our communication in everything we do, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And my next question was actually what makes the elements of a good communicator? And I think you already responded to this question. So uh, (laughs) yeah, that's awesome. Now, another famous thing that the Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw famously said, and he said that, and I quote, the single biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has taken place. (laughs) Why is this happening? Because it is happening all the time. And um, just to build upon that also, I don't know if you had a chance to read the book, Never Split the Difference by Chris yeah. Voss. I love it. It's an amazing one. I love it too. He mentioned this Albert Merhabian. I hope I pronounced that correctly, who created this 738-55 rule. That is only 7% of a message is based on the words, while 38% comes from the tone of voice and 55% from the speaker's body language and face. So in light of today's communication channels, which are mostly online, this inevitably creates misunderstandings. So do you have an antidote to that? Yes. So here's the thing. Most of the time when someone chooses to, let's say you choose to work with someone or you choose your coach, you choose your trainer, you choose to listen to your role models, what we hear over and over again is, I love their energy, right? We don't say, I love their (laughs) way of putting the question in the end of this sentence, like I love their, their clothes. We say, I love your energy. And somehow we don't work on energy. We work so much on this skills of certificates and let me learn more. It's very much about the mind. 
However, our communication is all about the energy as well as the mind. Yes, of course, it's important to know what your your skills, it's important to know your to learn and i'm a huge believer of learning being a a lifetime student of there's so much we can learn there's so much amazing knowledge and being guided being trained and and all that even just today i'm doing two hours this afternoon two hours training for two days now about emotional intelligence i keep continuing learning because i am a student as well as i'm a mentor right it's keep on ongoing learning that is one thing but now we will talk about the energy part. This is where emotional intelligence come in because we talked about the presence, right? If someone is nervous, if someone is in their heads, if they are not present, it all has to do with the nervous system. It all has to do with not being calibrated in our energy. We're not managing our energy well. We are not sleeping well, not taking care of ourselves. Basically, we're not taking care of ourselves. And a lot of leaders are suffering right now because they don't take care of themselves in the way that they can show up present. So somebody who is having the self-care and the self-love as a leader that has the healthy boundaries, that is taking care of the balance between work and life, they will come out as radiant. They will be magnetic. They will show up. And this is, as a professional speaker, this is part of my work. You know, my vitality is as important as my skills. So I work on my vitality, meaning that me taking a day off when I'm tired is actually helping my productivity. So working on our energy, on our vitality, working on our, how am I feeling? Am I feeling good? Because you can feel, we are, we have a transparency. If I am off, if I just had a fight or if I didn't sleep well this night or something is going on, and I'm not feeling well, and I am pretending that I am, you will feel it. You will feel it because we feel each other, right? It's so natural. You know how I'm feeling. If I am pretending like I'm trying to be happy, but I'm not happy, which which leads me to the second thing about positive psychology and, you know, this idea of we have to keep yourself happy. And I am believer of that it actually is counterproductive. It's not good for us to pretend that it, everything is great and which when it's not, and actually open up to say, how are you feeling in teams? How are you feeling? What's going on? And I think that with the last three years, one part of the reasons why we have a mental health problem when it comes to leaders is that we are pretending that everything is all right. We are not looking at the elephant in the room. So the energy part is also, it's like, if we have the pressure of showing up in the way that is not possible in this current environment. For many leaders, it's almost crisis management, right? It's so much going on. We're learning to be on Zoom, remote leadership, working, and also at the same time, the world is changing so rapidly. There is so much change all the time. So therefore, when it comes to our energy and how we actually show up, if I show up and I know that my team, there's something going on in this space, and I pretend like nothing is happening. It's not in integrity. It's not in coherence with what's really going on. So I really train our leaders, our members, and all the people coming to my world to be honest, which doesn't mean that you come in and you do sharing you know, for three hours about it, but starting the meetings and doing a checking. How are you guys feeling today? I am feeling a bit sad. And I'm happy. We can have both. That's also about being more clear in our body language. We talk about communication. 
I can have multiple emotions at the same time. I can be sad and I can be extremely happy. I can be angry and I can be also really peaceful. And if we can learn to feel multiple emotions and say to someone, hey, you know what? Today I am feeling a bit tired, but I'm also very excited. And it's not about you. It's about my journey, my experience, and you get to be part of that. My communication with you is transparent and it's honest and it's integrity. And therefore, you are feeling better around me. So whenever I'm going to say, you will trust me. But if I come in and I say, hey, yeah, everything is fine and you can feel it, you will always think like she's saying the words, but I'm not feeling it because it doesn't feel right. So this is where we get in coherence in between what we are saying and how we're actually feeling. And the more we allow that, we talk about authenticity a lot and vulnerability, the more we allow just transparency, I am feeling this way and I can still lead and I'm going to be a great leader even if I'm feeling this way, it's okay. I can handle both, right? I can live in the duality of my emotions. It will not change how I perform. Thank you. Thank you. This is really awesome. And now about, again, I want to speak about understanding, misunderstanding. And do you recall any point in your career where cultural differences may have been the reason for misunderstanding or may have created a conflict? What happened and how would you deal with it now? You know what, to be honest, I don't know if I've been lucky or if I have been ignorant, but I don't really have those stories. I started working when I was 17, turned 18. I was leading a team by the age of 21 for five offices while studying. And I was working with people who are three times my age. And I lived in Sweden. I worked in Sweden. I worked in France. I worked in Australia. I worked in Portugal. I worked in so many countries. And I don't have those stories. And I think the reason why is that I choose not to have them. I always choose to belong. And I'm not saying that that's true for everybody, but for my own case, I choose to believe that I belong at that table and I belong in that room. And my personality, experience, stories, background makes that room better. And that my ideas and my innovative point of view because of my culture, upbringing and experiences is going to bring more to the conversation. So I step, and this is something I also tell our clients and our our community, I step into every room believing that I can bring something to the table. I act as that. I belong at that table. My presence at that table will bring added value to the conversation and It's going to be better for for me and for them and for us all together. So it doesn't answer your question, but maybe it will inspire some of your listeners and and the community to, to see at what table are you, is there a table at that, at which one you will want to sit and you're saying, well, I don't belong there. The question of belonging is huge. And saying that, actually, I belong there and I'm going to sit at the table. I'm going to go there. And you will see many times it's also in our head. Many times in our stories. I have an example. I'm going to speak at a very big conference in the upcoming month. And it took me 24 hours to say yes, because it felt so big. Because I was starting to make stories that I don't belong in that room. 
And I had to remind myself that if they invited me, then I belong. And I have to, and there is an added value that I am different, that I don't have the same you know, background in academia that other people have. It doesn't really matter because they invited me to be myself and to bring that voice to the room. And constantly reminding me that we are enough and that this is, we are there because people want this, not something else. So yeah, I cannot answer that question, but I wanted to bring this to the conversation the way I have with my back. I mean, I'm Russian-Ukrainian. I grew up with a Greek stepfather in Sweden. My, my partner is French-Argentinian. I traveled the world, lived so many countries. So yes, it's possible. But somehow for my own journey, I choose to flip the story and make it about belonging and that I belong. Thank you. When I was doing my homework for this conversation, I actually searched for the communication, how communication works, and what are the elements of communication. And I came up with, uh, like Google just came up with several different models. And one of those was like you have the, the person who is sending the message, the channel, the receiver, the coding, and the, the understanding. So what I was thinking like is that sometimes this decoding part is probably not using the same encoding that you were actually using for your message. So maybe the message itself sometimes gets interpreted in a way which is culturally influenced or influenced by that person's background. And it's probably a wrong understanding of what you were actually intending to say. So that was my idea behind the question. But I think you're very, very lucky to have lived and experienced all those different cultures and countries and continue to do so and never having to do with, with an issue like this. It did happen more than once with me. And I did attribute that to cultural encoding, I think. I do believe it happens and unfortunately it does happen. And I think it's a whole other conversation. And of course, that is also part of the voice. I'm a huge believer of public speaking as a tool to leadership and diversity and inclusion and telling different stories. And part of that is telling the things that we want to shift through our voice. And one of the things for me is for sure female leadership and regenerative leadership and, you know, the, the, the conversation we are having right now. So Perhaps that's your voice. Perhaps it's about you, Sedemir, to bringing that to the conversation. You know, we all have those stories shape us and it can allow us to find, to be a spokesperson for a change in our societies. And I believe that somehow I've been lucky for sure. And I know it happens and it's very unfortunate. And I believe that voices of change is part of the solution. The more we start to speak more openly and look at solutions together, the more we can change our societies. So this is our about being a part of the puzzle of what is my natural role? What has my life experience brought to me that I can pass on? And if we all start to step into that more of our voice by having our own podcast or going live or writing 
or wherever communication that we, we which is natural to us, we can start to change the narrative. And that is a huge part of leadership through communication. Now I want to transition to public speaking. But before that, and you mentioned the podcast, I want to ask you, how much has that helped you communicate better? I love having the podcast as a tool for me to learn. To be honest, it has been mostly of me wanting to explore different topics. It's a lab. I like to have a space where there is complete openness, like a lab where we can explore different things, different concepts. I get to interview amazing people and ask them questions and being in the receiver. And instead of just me having the chance to ask them those questions, I have my community who also have access to that. So for me, the podcast has been a great way to actually get so much training and coaching and mentoring and, and, and sharing that. So I like to really tap into the, the genius and the wisdom of our guests and, and learn from them. I'm the first one. When I come off the podcast, I am tired because I was so present and I was learning and I'm just interviewing the, you know, the people that are inspiring me to become better. And it's so much fun. I love it. So my podcast is it's almost like a self-development tool for first and foremost for myself and uh, it taught me a lot about being also in the other position of as a speaker, you know, if I'm facilitating training, public speaking, there are different forms of expression. Whereas when you're interviewing, it's a lot about presence and active listening and also being a bit flexible with where the conversation is going, because the best interviews are the ones that are, there is a narrative, there is a, a thread but we can also go off topic because the conversation is going somewhere else. So it taught me a lot about how to be great at interviewing and being on the side of, okay, learn from them, listen, ask the right question. That The questioning is very interesting. I absolutely agree with you on that and share the same feeling and same enthusiasm for it. So thank you. Now, moving to the stage and the speaking on stage, would you like to to go into some tactics for creating great experience for your audience. And in particular, I would like you to talk about your signature talk. What is it all about and who is it for? So a lot of people come to us for TEDx because as we've done six TEDx and Sebastian has trained two TEDx editions, plus our, our members, all the people coming to our world get trained by both me and Sebastian in transformational speaking, in public speaking, because it's a huge part of leadership, voice and leadership, it goes together. So when it comes to the question of how we can become a better speaker and what that legacy topic is, it's about finding a topic that is truly you. And we talked about embodiment earlier on, I believe that the best speakers on stage are the ones who tell their life journey, life stories, and they allow us to learn from them because they have experienced something, they have lived something, they have learned something, they have, you know, it's a journey. So if you think about it, do you have someone in mind? Who's your, like your favorite, do you have a favorite TEDx talk or TED talk or maybe a favorite speaker in mind? Well, the first person who came to mind is Tim Ferriss. Uh, Tim I, Ferriss. I love Tim Ferriss. Yeah, I really love that guy. And uh, 
I listened to almost all of his podcast episodes. That's more than 500. I mean, not all, but you know, a good part. There are other speakers, of course, but yeah, I, I hope he, he will do for your okay. question. <laughs> so what do you love about him? Oh, I love the fact that he's constantly learning and he's constantly working on himself and he's mm. constantly getting better. And he was saying also about the podcast, how much it helped him become a better speaker. And mm. I realized that it is helping me become better. Also speaking to guests, saying the right things, not stuttering or using a lot of like, mm, like, you know, and, and all those different things that people find easy to jump to when they stumble upon words, when they're searching for words. So that's what I really appreciate about him is that he's very, very well prepared, very curious, always looking for ways to improve himself and yeah. working working on it. That's Amazing. what I really love. Yes. So when it comes to our the best speakers, the best people we think about who is like, and for the ones listening, I also invite you to think about who do you love the most. It's not what they say, it's who they are. And it's also who they are becoming. When you mention, you did not mention what he speaks about. You mentioned, Sidemir, that he's still learning. He's like a mentor for you. You see yourself in him. He is still on the journey of lifelong development of himself. He is developing his skills. He's learning. His, and that is his being, his personality, his self-leadership, guiding himself to, to constant self-development, self-improvement. So as a speaker, for me, a big topic is embodiment. And what I mean by that is, what do you live and breathe? So when you live and breathe and in your integrity, in your coherence with who you are, that is felt on stage. And when you speak about something that you have outgrown and your box is too small. You know, you your LinkedIn title, it's too small. It does not represent all of your genius. You can feel it on the stage. And this is what I call a PowerPoint presenter. Someone coming on the stage and they might have a talk about like, let's say soft skills in, in corporate. And you feel like you have heard the conversation. It feels like they have repeated that for the last 20 years. It almost feel like, you know, it's on repeat because they are no longer connected to that. This is what happens when we go to school or even to university. When someone, it feels like it is not fresh anymore. That topic doesn't feel alive. And it doesn't have to do with the topic. It has to do with the person. Do they embody it? Do they live and breathe this message? So for me, when I do my work around embodying like self-leadership, I have to be so like... <laughs> I look at myself and I say, am I living this? And I have to live in integrity. How do I communicate? When I do training public speaking, I am more on stage because I am doing the work with my community. I am also walking next to them. And when a speaker speaks from a place of, I have gone there before I have done this work, I am here right now and I'm going here. It's so alive. And it's so amazing to see them because they feel like they're living it. You are in the moment. It's nobody else can do that like they are doing. So for us, legacy topic and living your legacy, speaking your legacy is about what is your bigger why? 
what is that thing that you only you have that is so unique to you in this moment in time? And I'm going to give you an example. Actually, one of our community members came to us and she wanted to find her bigger vision. And we spoke about like, what is that thing? And actually she went to your university, to your school. And we spoke about it and she told me like, yeah, you know what? I feel like what I really care about is Bosnia. And I really care about my background and my story and what I did. And like, and we connected her big why to her when she was a child and how she came to Austria and how she cared about all the things that how important it was for her to have a community and all of that. It was like she connected to her purpose, her mission. And the moment that clicked in that year, she went on 40 stages. She got published in Forbes. She created a whole YouTube channel. And many of you know who she is in your community. And and yeah, (laughs) Adela. Adela became that. Why? Because there is nobody in the world that can say that message. She is embodying that. Her whole being, her whole essence, her whole leadership is. That is her story. You see, like I was saying before, There is a voice. We all are part of a puzzle. My story has started when I was 17. I met my mentor and leadership became a huge part of my life. And then I met Sebastian when I was 21 and communication became part of, I am living and breathing these messages from the last 33 years. Well, I don't know when I started really living at 20 years at least. And therefore I'm the right person to speak about this. So we need to find that topic that is making us feel so alive because when you are alive on stage, you will make your audience alive. And this is the thing. What I always tell the speaker, if you are not excited, like you don't want to wake up in the morning and talk about it for the rest of your day, why would your audience be excited? You need to be fired up. You need to feel like this is the most interesting thing we can talk about for hours, of course, please, you give me 20 minutes. Can I have 20 hours? Like, please, this is just so amazing. You become alive. So this is legacy topic. Legacy is finding, really shedding all the layers of get rid of the PowerPoint, get rid of this thing, speak with passion, speak with purpose, speak like nobody else. This is like, this is what I care about. If this is the only thing I can share, this is what I care about today. And it might change because we evolve as humans. But in this day and time, this is what really fires me up. If I may just add something to that, and I think it adds up nicely. It's uh, something that Seth Godin once mentioned. And he said that the way to distinguish between a person who is a trained marketer, who just knows something about a product, and the person who is living a certain thing, is that if you ask a trained marketer a question, they will answer the way they were taught. But then you ask them something else and they would just try to rephrase what they just said. But the person or the real expert, somebody who's in the subject matter, who's living it, they will know and they could speak for hours about the the thing from many different angles. And that's also something that there is the Latin proverb that says, rem tene verba sequitur. It means own the subject and the words will follow. So you have to be very true and authentic, I think, what you mentioned in the the beginning of this conversation. So authenticity, finding your true why, really Mm -hmm. amazing. 
Amazing. Thank you. So now you're a guest speaker at the Female Leadership Network at the VEU, and you will soon uh, give a keynote presentation called She Leads, Stepping into the New Paradigm of Leadership Through Emotional Intelligence. Can you tell us something about that? Yes, I'm very excited to have been invited to talk about this on the 23rd of June uh, this year. So part of my work, and actually let's talk about more part of my journey of my own leadership. As I started, I'm 33 now and I started 21 when I started being in leadership position very early in my age. And the first years, I had the burnout when I was 21. I literally had a burnout I, for six months. I was doing a lot at the same time. I don't come from an entrepreneurial family. So when I started to work with this small business and I was studying European law and I was leading five offices and moving country to be with my partner, Sebastian, it was a lot. And I do not have the capacity to actually work on my emotional intelligence and my nervous system. I didn't know that it was even a thing because the only role models I had for leadership was what I saw on television or what I saw, which was an examples of, you know, I have my mentor, but the, everyone else was very much into a hustling approach to leadership that work hard. You know, I come from a very much work hard to make money, work hard to rise in your career. And for many years, I was in that. That's what I believed. Luckily, I had my mentor showed me something else, but it was not enough for me to change. And I, to be very honest, I've led my business in a very much mindy way, strategic. I was a strategist. I'm good at strategy. I was being very self-led. So that part came easily to me. We talk about the masculine, the feminine, but we can talk about the logical and emotional, right? As well, it's about how leading from a place of headfirst, resilience, hustling. That was what I was brought up into until getting the burnout and then kind of getting myself up again and then leading myself. And when COVID hit two, three years ago, I felt that I was lacking the tools of leading without headfirst, without the hustling, without the mind, without working hard. And I just felt that there has to be another way. It doesn't have to be, how can it be so hard? The concepts of working hard and working to get something done, and it has to be like this solo thing. Also, a lot of women are still having this jealousy thing when it comes to you know leadership and being in that position it can be a tough environment and I felt that this is not what I want to go into so for my own wish to find a better way I start to explore regenerative leadership I start to explore emotional intelligence and I start to explore how can we become more balanced sustainable even if the world around us is very chaotic and turbulent at the moment. In normal society, I was managing to find a balance also many times thanks to my partner and co-founder because he's very balanced in that. But because of the last two, three years being more intense, I almost felt like I needed more tools. I needed more support. And emotional intelligence has allowed me to have more work, more expansion, more speaking, more clients, more team 
and while being sustainable in my, my growth. This is why I'm coming in to speak about it because as I mentioned again, embodiment, I went through the journey of two, three years ago, understanding leadership on a higher level than ever before. Until then, the strategic, the business side was, you know, covered, but the, the emotional intelligence was missing. I had the base, but I did not have the, the level I have today. And first and foremost, I started to study that. I started to learn that. I started to practice that. Secondly, I started my signature program called She Leads. And I start to train women in that. And then we open, you know, we have chapters now where we actually have local meetups for She Leads Mastermind. And now this year, I'm starting to be more and more invited to go into universities and also organizations as a mentor for the women in tech and other organizations to speak about this topic. Why? Because we have, again, I'll come back to the mental health and the burnout there is a study showing that, I cannot remember the study, maybe you have the name of the leadership study that has 15,000 leaders that were interviewed in the last years in COVID, and the numbers are shocking. About 64% of leaders in that study were saying that they were having burnout signs. So that doesn't mean that they have burnout, but they have burnout signs. And about 80% of the top employees were having burnout signs. And if I compare it with the, the women I speak with, I would say almost 80% of the women I have in conversation, because I, I meet a lot of female leaders because of this work with she leads, are sharing how they're feeling. And there's a lot of anxiety, depression, overwhelm, feeling of me to link that to Adam Grant, which is kind of this in-between, like bit off, not feeling so happy anymore, feeling a bit confused lacking vision there's so much when it feels that it's almost too big not to talk about and the reason why i'm coming in is not to talk about burnout it's talk about how do we shape an exciting future for our leadership and it's not only for women when i will be in women in tech in paris now in in may when i'm speaking i'm speaking for both men and women it's about regenerative leadership how do we take care of our leaders how do we make sure that we don't burn out that we don't take it as for granted that people are tired and that anxiety is coming up and people are feeling off that we are actually making sure that the leaders that are coming into our into our lives are healthy happy balanced present enjoying this journey and supported and this is really my goal with she leads and this work we do what surprised me now is that you said that the, the major transformation in you approaching emotional intelligence and paying more attention to emotions and leadership becoming a better leader happened during the times of covid when actually we were separated from one another but yeah. you linked it very nicely to the fact that you maybe had a break from all the hustling and speaking about the, the article, I just found it. it was published in 2021 by Forbes and Forbes.com called Leaders and Employees Are Burning Out at Record Rates. So that is amazing. And it is really something that's always, you can hear it in news, in other podcasts. People are talking about this more and more. Yeah. Now let's transition into the world of education. 
you've been running an education business for more than 11 years. What are your focus areas and how do you make your students learn? And who are your students? So we have three pillars of our academy. One is self-leadership and emotional intelligence. We have both a female-only focus because especially, as I mentioned, 80% of the women I speak to are asking for this space. And we also have all women and men together for another program. Then we have the actual legacy. This is Speak Your Legacy, which is our speaking training, which is not only about speaking in all skills, but about finding your voice and your expression and your communication skills for development of your leadership and thought leadership in this space. And the third part is more for the experts and consultants. We have also people coming into our world who are leaders who also want to have a consulting component to the topics they talk about, coaching or consulting. So we also help them to develop their methodology and their methods into a framework that they can then work with within companies, etc. So the people we work with are leaders. They are managers. And we also have experts, so thought leaders, coaches, consultants who come in, who have an expertise, who want to develop you know, their capacity to serve with that expertise. What they all have in common is that they see themselves as leaders in this space and they want to bring their voice to the conversation. So it's really about feeling that they have something to say. With Either it is within their companies, they want to improve their communication skills on stage, with their coaching consulting, they want to really master their capacity of communication and inner and outer communication and leadership. As I mentioned earlier, we see that as not students, we call them members. When we work with our community, it's leaders. So we approach them as leaders. It's a co-leadership. I come in with an expertise and I hold this space and I mentor Sebastian as well. And the community also being around leaders It's allowing the members coming into our world to feel that this is a safe space for me to take off the leadership hat and actually allow myself to be in the receiving mode. So it's about changing the narrative that there has to be a problem for getting coached or trained or we need to improve ourselves. There's more about desire. I desire to enter this space and it's more fun to do it together. And I want to grow and I, I desire to be around other leaders to develop my leadership, my communication, my whole business. If you have your own business, it's, it's a place of vision and expansion. And it's not that you need us. You don't need us. You're perfect as you are, but you choose to do this journey together because it's more fun together. Nice. And speaking of which, which, teacher or mentor left the deepest impact on you and why? It, it is for sure my mentor that I met when I was 17, because as I mentioned earlier, I come from a family where I'm the first entrepreneur. So everybody in my family have been employed or, you know, working for a company or working for an organization. So I did not really have anyone that could show me how that looked like and meeting this woman and who's still in my life that I every every time I'm on the interview I'm contributing my work to her partly because without her maybe I would not be here what's her name her name is Maria and she lives in Sweden and 
she's this amazing woman that showed me what's possible. She has many kids. She has many dogs. She, she lives in the countryside. And she's this amazing human when it comes to her authenticity and love for her community, for your team, for her clients, to giving a 17-year-old girl a chance to grow within the organization, to be 21, to lead teams and lead a company for her, one of her five offices. It's a huge chance. And she gave me that, you know, empowering diversity, empowering leadership, empowering her, her team in the way that she showed me what's possible has forever shaped me. Because if I didn't have her as a leadership example, maybe my journey would not be the same. So for me, mentorship is huge. If you can mentor, go out and mentor. If you had someone who helped you, then it's almost our responsibility to pass it on. That's how I see my work. It's really about showing what's possible. And she showed me so much of how I want to be a leader. And she has forever shaped my leadership role in, in the way I lead. And yeah, I, can, I cannot say how, how grateful I am. It, it really speaks trust to me, giving you trust that age probably may have contributed a lot to, to your development and to the Absolutely. feeling that you deserve it. Yeah. And now try to look at the, my next question from this perspective, like from what you just said. If you were to transform our educational system globally or pick a country, where would you put your focus on? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> I'd say that transformation is big. And I mean, there is a moment of chaos and adaptation when it comes to change. So what I would say is that without transforming and changing the old system as we have it today, I would look into shaping a new and looking into, is there other ways for us to think about education? And we talked about regenerative leadership, which is a new approach. But of course, it's not new. It has been always there if you look into that deeper. And education is, are there other ways to learn? And mentorship is one. Another one is, you know, looking into giving space for more voices, like we are doing with the podcast, that's, that's one form of education and lifelong learnings. I think coaching industry is one of the biggest industries in the world for one reason that it's actually we are looking for us to stay in the learning in the student position. So when it comes to more children education, I would not say that I know how to change it. It's a complex question to say, but when it comes to adult education is that we start seeing it as a lifelong journey and that we allow ourselves to step away from this idea that there's something wrong with me if I am still learning. Like we have this idea, and I mean, I come from very academic, my both parents are doctors and my mother, how many years she was asking me, what are you studying at the moment? Like in my family, education and academia, it has always been very big. But I believe that we have to also shift that, that perspective that we need to go to university. We need to have a diploma. We need to have certification for everything. I think 
if you desire that, if you think that, okay, I would like to develop those skills. For, for instance, for me, one of the skills that I really want to develop, not because I need it, but because I want to become better is trauma. I want to understand trauma and leadership more. That is because I want to add that to my toolbox. So I think if we can start to approach education, not as let me gather as many diplomas as I can, it's more about what can I integrate? Because integration is more important than how many diplomas I have. And information sometimes, today, information is everywhere. We don't need more information. We need more integration. We need to uh-huh. really embody what we talk about. So I would say less is more. Can we stop adding so many books and so many things to learn because we don't need to learn it anymore. There's so much we can Google. There's so much that it's accessible to us. What is not accessible is actually the human connection. What is not accessible is someone listening to you, something that is someone who is there for you, who is present for what's really going on, the tailored experience, because the world is changing fast. There's always new things to learn. What we need to look into is, What are the skills we actually need? Adaptability. We need to learn how to learn. We need to learn how to listen. We need to learn how to work on large leadership. Understanding what are the things that I feel like I actually need, not because I'm not good enough, if I don't have it, just because I desire to improve my capacity. So shifting away from this, you need more diplomas because otherwise you will not get the job. Well, even if you have double MBA, sometimes you might not get the job. What is really about personal skills, like I would say if someone is listening, you're still studying, go and speak with the mentor and ask them, what are those skills that you consider are the most important for you today? What are the skills that you consider are the most important when you hire someone? What are the most important skills of your co-founders? Start speaking with people, ask those questions, get yourself a podcast and ask those questions or just go out and talk and have a coffee. You will learn so much and you might realize that, oh, actually, maybe I don't need to study five years to do that. Maybe if I do go and work an internship for the summer, I learned a lot in internship. I also study and I love studying, but internships, being on the field, learning in the moment, we can start be more in action and less in our mind, I think we'll start just to really change things around. Beautiful answer. And so many sub-questions <laughs> into my mind right now, but maybe we can leave something for the real keynote presentation. <laughs> the, the next one that I would like to ask you is really the books. You mentioned don't just read books, but I really do like this <laughs> question and I do like books. So I'm going to ask you about that like which book left the deepest impact on you which one should be mandatory reading or if it's not books it can be anything your choice i'd say the reason <laughs> the books are important i mean it's not so much of the books why this question is hard for me is because i have a hard time reading i read one book per year i listen <laughs> I'm more, and this is something that was hard for me even when I was studying university is that I'm not a good reader. My concentration is not good for that. And it's also part of the education is understanding we are all different. I'm great at listening. In one day, I can listen and watch three, four hours of like learning. You know, I learned by listening and watching. And that's it took me almost 30 years to learn that. 
if I understood in school the problem why I have with not reading books, it's not because I am not capable. It's that because if someone just gave me an audiobook, I probably would have listened to 50 per year. So that is one of the things with, with books that if you are having a hard time reading, try audio or video. Maybe you'll have a realization like I was having revelation that, wow, I can learn by listening or watching. So let's talk about what I consider is the most important books in my life. I would say it's different for everybody. There are two things I can say about this. One is, in general, be in the moment and don't read what other people tell you to read. Think what are the skills you want to develop. So there's uh, Ty Lopez has a TED talk or TEDx talk about the rule of 33%. Spending 33% of our time with our mentors who are five to 10 times ahead of us. 33% of our time with our peers, people who are in the same level and having a similar idea where they want to go. And 33% mentoring, giving back. And the thing with the 33% when it comes to your mentors and you know people that you want to learn from, that could be books, that could be audio as well. So I would look into what are the skills that I want to develop. So you can say for yourself that actually I really want to learn more about emotional intelligence or I want to learn more about public speaking or leadership or actually for you, Sedemir, maybe you want to be the best podcast host in the world, then you will look into that topic. You know, understanding what do you really care about? What is the things? And then look for the mentors, see if they have books or podcasts or other ways that you can learn from them. Because that is also mentorship. We don't always have to take a course or study from someone. We can also learn through books and that. Secondly, for myself, one of the thing, big, big things that I've done through books is actually around money and financials. And why this topic is important is that this is, again, something we I did not have in my upbringing and my nobody taught me about financials. Nobody taught about money beliefs and how much that in actually plays into my decision making and what I think I'm able, I'm able to create. And I part of my my mission is to empower our leaders to really be more financially free and work with money in a different way. Learn to see that we can become investors. We can invest in different ways. Learn about cryptocurrency, learn about NFT, learn about investment, learn about investing in ourselves, in coaching, consulting, like wherever that is, being more at ease with, with money. Because I did not come from a society or a upbringing where we talked about money. I didn't have that education. So I felt very unease with having my own company in the beginning and learning all these things with accounting and the taxes, you know, all these kind of things. So for me, books like T. Harv Eker, The Millionaire Mind, or Thinking Grow Rich, which is also a very interesting book, all these books that are around money and money beliefs have been huge in terms of my own capacity to earn and hold money and wealth in general and and changing the the beliefs around that I had around wealth. Thank you. When you said before that I just want to continue uh, that thought. When you said that today we can google anything, we don't have to really read books and everything. We come to encounter a problem and then we just google it. What I noticed and this has changed a lot 
in the past few years, like made, it was a huge change for me, is that asking the right questions. Yeah. Even if you type in some gibberish into Google, whatever comes to your mind, you're going to get some relatively poor results. But if you think through what the real question is, Google will actually give you a really good result. And that's that's just Google. It also makes you think deeper about what you really want. So it's just an added example. Just remember that. <laughs> Absolutely. And to, to link to that, I'm a big believer of mastermind groups. So mastermind, actually in Think and Grow Rich, they talk about masterminds and that the idea is that if Napoleon Hill talks about if you put two brains together, you create a third brain. So mm-hmm. it's, we are better together. So one part of being part of a mastermind and experiencing what that means, like a curated mastermind with hot seats, is that you get to ask better questions. And when you learn to ask the right questions, you have other answers. And sometimes it's just the questions that really help you. So I, I agree, Sadomir, that a big part of our journey is not to bring more knowledge and information. It's learning to navigate that information and navigate those mm-hmm. questions that are leading us in the direction that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, before we wrap up, I want to ask you one of the questions that I really like from uh, Tim Ferriss. He asked this to almost all his guests. And it is, if you could post a message on a billboard that could be seen by billions of people, what would that be? Wow. (laughs) You are more than that. Speak your voice, even if you're scared. Good one. Good one. (laughs) Daria, where can people find you on social media? They can find me on my LinkedIn. So uh, I hope that you can put the link below because my name is hard to pronounce, Daria Vodopianova, or my Instagram, which is inst.daria. Perfect. Thank you so much for being my guest and for sharing all these amazing stories and the knowledge. And really, I wish you luck during your keynote presentation. And if I'm in Vienna, I'll definitely come by. So thank thank you so so much. Thank you, Sidemir. Thank you, everyone. It has been such a pleasure for being here today with you. Hello again. Thank you for listening to this episode of VEU Executive Academy podcast, Know How to Inspire. Now, one more thing before you go. Please subscribe to our channel on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes, or check out our website at www.executiveacademy.at forward slash podcast. That is executiveacademy.at forward slash podcast. Last but not least, spread the word because the more you share knowledge, the more inspiring it gets.